the volume. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, There is a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Chris Mannix. All right, this is Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Another week, more drama with Canelo Alvarez. Well, not drama per se, but no fight to announce yet. And we inch closer towards that September 18th date that Canelo is targeting. I want to talk some about that. We got some fights coming up this week, next couple of weeks as well. I want to talk about that a little bit later on in this show. David Benavidez, the former super middleweight champion, he is going to join, and we're going to uh, talk to David about his upcoming fight on August 28th, plus his take on what's become a very strange situation in the super middleweight division. Talk about that. Bring in my friend Lance Pugmire. Does a great job covering boxing over at The Athletic. Lance, I feel like this time of year has become like Canelo drama time of year like last year last year it was a pandemic of course but we were talking about canelo and his split with golden boy and the issues there year before that you know canelo couldn't get his fight date in september because of some issues there wanted fighting sergey kovalev in november of 2019 like the canelo is one of the most active top fighters in boxing probably the most active top fighter in boxing but this is like not been a good stretch of time for him um you know, in the summer months because he can't seem to nail down that mid-September date that he's looking for. And right now, it's Caleb Plant. Canelo has publicly said he wants Caleb Plant. There were negotiations of some kind for a fight against Caleb Plant. And now, by all accounts, there is no fight with Caleb Plant. So tell tell me what you think of that situation and, and how it's unfolded. You know, I wrote about this recently, Chris, Chris, and what I think it is, it's basically Canelo Alvarez asserting his control, his ultimate control as boxing's ultimate A-side. You know, I mean, this is a guy who made it clear in his split with Golden Boy Promotions that he wants to direct the future of his career. Well, be careful what you wish for, because you got to deal with a lot of this, you know, negotiating that he now is, you know, in, has, has been in the thick of 
with the great, the greatest negotiator in boxing, Al Heyman of Premier Boxing Champions. And, you know, look, I mean, they've gone back and forth with Canelo. I mean, basically, it's a great it's a great fight. I, we wish we could be ringside for this one, right? Because you got the two biggest uh, power brokers in the sport going head to head. Canelo digging in for the money that he wants, which by all accounts is about $40 million for this fight. Canelo digging in on a, a point that uh, our friend Mike Coppinger first reported that, you know, look, if Caleb Plant falls off the card and they need to have a replacement fighter, he still is going to get, Canelo is still going to earn the same type of money. Let me, let me ask you about that. Let me, yeah. let, okay. that's the one point, Lance, that I, 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 I need to know more about that because that was kind of out of left field. Like, that's not a request that, to my knowledge, Canelo has made in the past. He didn't do it with Callum Smith. He didn't do it with Avni Yildirim. He didn't do it with Billy Joe Saunders. This is kind of like, one. that's one of those requests where it's like, wait a minute. Like, Are you accusing them of making from? that up? Are you accusing I don't, them of making I don't know. I, 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 we have not heard Canelo's side of the story yet. I haven't been able to speak to anyone in Canelo's camp outside of Eddie Hearn. Eddie's simply been saying they just couldn't come to terms on an agreement it just does did that not strike you as weird because that would be the first time canelo canelo would request that it does and it, it did strike me odd too that caleb plant you know is taking the bull by the horns and and detailing all of these key uh well he's doing the negotiations. what he's doing lance lance what he's doing is is basically repeating what al Heyman's telling him right like al's you know this isn't like you know, Canelo's not on the phone with Eddie Reynoso and Caleb Plant on a Zoom call. Like, you know, this is right. this is the information that Caleb Plant is receiving and he is relaying it publicly uh, to us. I, I just, I, I don't know. That, that That is a provision that I've never seen Canelo come up with before. Look, we and we'd love to hear from Canelo and Eddie Reynoso. And I know me personally, as I'm sure you have too, have been reaching out to them to try yep. to get some clarity on these points. So... Um, those efforts have been made, but you're absolutely right to apply a healthy dose of skepticism to this. I think what it ultimately comes down to, Chris, is that Al Heyman is a smart businessman and he knows, look, I'm basically giving you a fighter where no matter what Caleb Plant says, I'm basically giving you a fighter that is going to be giving up his belt. I think, you know, in doing so that I... I deserve to have a second fight with you, Canelo Alvarez. And to me, that's always been the thing, no matter whether someone's saying it or not, to me, that's the elephant in the room. And that's the ultimate point of this negotiation. You, you need to be with me more than just this one fight. You need to uh, be involved with me more than just using me to, to take my champion and be able to declare yourself as the first fully unified 168 pound champion in the world. And, you know, until I hear differently from any of the parties involved, I believe that that's the ultimate um, sticking point in this negotiation that, you know, at this point, it does make it look as if it's dead. And that, you know, now he's moved on to the to the idea of uh, fighting Dimitri Bivol, uh, the 175 pound champion. I mean, Canelo's, I mean, Canelo's no fool. Like, he's not, he, he's, he knows that if Caleb Plant gets injured, a fight would get pushed back. It, it happens in boxing. You know, it, I, I can understand saying like, look, there's like a three-month window where you can postpone this fight, but you got to do it within X amount of time. I just, I can't wrap my head around the idea that Canelo would say, all right, if Caleb Plant has to bow out, you've got to give me Anthony Durrell for the same money. Like, I just can't, that doesn't make any sense to me. You're absolutely right. It is very weird of, you know, this being communicated by Caleb Plant. But again, you know, it behooves Canelo Alvarez and Eddie Reynoso to step forward and call these uh, call these guys out and call this, the, you know, for if it's BS, BS, say it, you know, come out and say it. But I mean, look, you can look at my phone, several messages to Eddie Reynoso and not really responding, you know, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, here's your opportunity again. You know, you can reach out to either me or Chris at any time, Eddie. Anytime, anytime. And uh, look, I would, I don't think that, I don't know if Eddie Hearn knows, like this is, as you know, this was a negotiation that effectively went between Eddie Reynoso and Al Heyman and, and specific members of those camp. I don't know if Eddie, I mean, I don't know if Eddie Hearn really knows exactly what went wrong in, in those discussions, because as he said on this show last week, he, he took himself out of it. Basically it was a, you know, because it wasn't going to be on his own. He, you know, basically, you know, stepped aside and, those two sides uh, negotiated individually. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I want to hear more about this. Canelo's the kind of guy that like, you know, he just doesn't, he, he believes so much in himself that he doesn't care about a lot of things. Like the idea, I know it came up 
about, you know, the the ring size with Billy Joe Saunders. Like, can I, that, that was not like an issue. Like, Billy Joe Saunders said, I demand to fight in this size ring. Canelo goes, do whatever the hell you want. Like, okay, uh-huh. you're still going to get your ass kicked. Like, yeah. do whatever you want. So the, that's sort of the attitude that Canelo has. And I just, I would need to hear it from, from him, from Anos about why this deal fell apart. Like, Again, we're kind of you know fumbling around in the dark here a little bit because Absolutely. Eddie Reynoso is not talking to us at the moment. Al Heyman never talks to us uh, ever, so I don't know exactly what's going on. I know Eddie Hearn's out there, kind of you know, with a first class ticket for Dimitri Bivol to fly over here at some point, whenever that can happen. But I don't, you know, we're now recording this in early August. I just I have a hard time believing that we're going to see Canelo Alvarez on September 18th. What's your gut feeling right now? I mean, I was kind of told that too, that this is, you know, don't feel like this is a a date where the fight has to happen. At the end of the day, Canelo is going to want terms the way that he wants the terms to be uh, handled. And so like Canelo is the ultimate player. I mean, I just got done writing a story about top rank trying to deal with its fall fight schedule. And a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty of when Canelo is going to fight because wherever Canelo gets placed, you definitely can't schedule anywhere near that day. And if it ends up landing on pay-per-view, although that doesn't, doesn't look like uh, that will happen now, um, you know, you got to be wary of that as well. So Canelo, again, um, as I've said, I mean, this guy has the ability to kind of follow the lead of all of his predecessors, whether it be his former promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, or the man that he was willing to be the B-side against in 2013, Floyd Mayweather Jr., you know, these guys are the guys who are going to call the shots in the sport. And that's what Canelo is doing right now. He wants things his way. He's has, uh, you know, the, he's won that privilege by what he's accomplished in the ring as the, as a four division champion and the pound for pound number one. So, you know, more power to him. In the meanwhile, we're going to kind of, you know, sit here and wait and watch and try to uh, unearth the details as they emerge. Were you surprised that there wasn't a quick pivot to Gennady Golovkin. We know Golovkin's just hanging around waiting for that late December Ryota Murata fight, but we also know that Golovkin does want to fight. He just doesn't want to fight Demetrius Andrade or Jamal Charlo or any of these guys that are out there at the moment. I mean, I, I kind of, for a split second, I know you reported on this a little bit. For a split second, I thought like, wow, all right, this, this stars may be aligned. Like you've for got sure. two fighters aligned with DAZN. You know, the money's there. DAZN still wants the fight. Uh, Golovkin, I don't think, would make a stink about going up to 168 for it. Like, you surprised we didn't get that fight for September? Yeah, surprised. I'm stunned, you know? I mean, I, it, it's it's there for the taking. Gennady Golovkin absolutely wants this fight. Yes. Um, there's no doubt about it. Even though he's kind of, like, gone into hiding and maybe been a little bit of a uh, pouty, kind of sullen guy after losing that, losing that fight to Canelo, um, he wants that shot. And even if he is at the advanced age of uh, 39, now, you know, it's it's something that he feels is a big part of his legacy, but it also speaks to the resentment that Canelo Alvarez still harbors toward Gennady Golovkin about, you know, taking those, you know, the positives that Canelo had with the clenbuterol and inflaming it into something that was that Gennady said was, you know, super, super sinister. Um, you know, look, they've, they've kind of changed the rules since then. It was it was a, a small dose. He was penalized for it. Uh, it's water under the bridge at that at this point. As but by all accounts, according to the people that I talked to in drug testing, Canelo Alvarez has been very uh, adamant about making sure that he's tested to the highest level. And so, um, Gennady Golovkin, you know, whether it's uh, trying to uh, make a phone call to Canelo Alvarez or doing whatever he needs to do, I mean, uh, some kind of mediator could have been brought in. Eddie Hearn's probably the perfect guy to calm these guys down and say, look. You want to talk about the richest fight possible right now. It's you guys fighting for the third time. And it's just it's just stunning to me that no one is able to ha- effectively have that conversation with Canelo um, to, to make that happen. Because like you said, it's, it's a slam dunk, especially given where they are right now, right this second. And it's still a fight that generates more mainstream interest than all but like two or three fights in boxing. Like, the boxing insiders, you and I included, we understand that Canelo would be a heavy favorite in a fight like that. Golovkin is at an advanced stage of his career, didn't look great against Sergei Derevchenko, has fought low-level, uh, a low-level fight since then. But that doesn't matter to the average fan that's out there. Like, oh, Triple G Canelo 3? I'm in. Like, that's what DAZN recognizes, and that's why they're willing to pay a premium 
for a fight like that. Chris, let me just think about this. You know, in Gennady Golovkin's mind, he cannot trust the judges. I mean, this guy's going to no. be, uh, you know, starting with an all-out assault against Canelo Alvarez. This is this fight is bound to end in a hellacious knockout, which hasn't happened in the first two fights. It's going to be the best of the three fights. And like you said, everyone knows these two combatants. So why wouldn't you try to make it done? The zone, where are you? Eddie Hearn, where are you? Talk to Canelo, you know, make this thing happen. Mm, yeah, I mean, you talk about a big crowd. You could do 80 plus thousand in Jerry Las Jones Vegas. is waiting. Yeah. Jerry Jones or in Dallas there. If you want to put it as like, I would love to see that fight in New York. I mean, you could probably do a massive gate at MSG. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have the same crowd size as Jerry World or at Allegiant Stadium, but you would do a big number in New York City. Wouldn't that be a great place to kind of, you know, continue that rivalry on? Absolutely. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with them. You know, is it Bevel? Is it Golovkin? Do they wait for Plant? A lot of stuff to be worked out uh, with Canelo Alvarez. Let's move on to a couple other things. I want to ask you about a fight we saw this week, Triller, uh, on Tuesday night putting on heavyweight boxing, Michael Hunter uh, knocking out Mike Wilson, a former amateur rival. Not unexpected. Michael Hunter yeah, at a different level than Mike Wilson. But yeah, I, I think Michael Hunter, Lance, did exactly what he needed to do. He got a spectacular knockout, which is what he needs. I mean, he yeah. he has a good record, only one loss on his resume, and that was to Alexander Usyk as a cruiserweight. Uh, a guy he had a draw with back in 2019 uh, Alexander Pavek, and he went on to a big fight with Dillian White, too, actually, after yeah. knocking out Dillian White. So I, I understand Michael Hunter was in with a lesser opponent, but all I saw on social media on Tuesday night were highlights of Michael Hunter's knockout. And that's kind of what he needs as he tries to push himself forward in the heavyweight division. What did you think of the fight, and what do you think the future looks like for Michael Hunter? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it was exactly what he needed. But I believe that, you know, as we're looking at this heavyweight landscape of, you know, first we've got uh, Joshua and Usyk going on September 25th, followed by October 9th, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. You know, the rest of these heavyweights are sort of like in this round Robinville. And, you know, like Michael Hunter is going to have to select someone else with a prominent name. I mean, you know, you can look at the DAZN uh, fighters and maybe like someone, someone like Joseph Parker would be someone that he could take on. I mean, I'd love to see him potentially, I, even though it would be, you know, against a PBC guy, uh, Luis Ortiz or uh, even Andy Ruiz. Um, you know, those would be the types of fights that I would like to see Hunter in because let's be honest, he still needs after that, after that fight with Pavekin, he needs to prove that he can beat uh, the fighters of that caliber. And if he can do so, then absolutely. I mean, I think the guy is a, a young, athletic, um, strong guy with a lot of personality. And uh, it'd be great. It'd be a great thing for him. He definitely has upside. But I just think that he needs to be involved in a few more uh, major bouts with these uh, well-known contenders before he gets that title shot, because that title is kind of like on ice right now with uh, uh, Fury and Joshua on their paths. Yeah, if you're a heavyweight out there that's not named Wilder, Fury, or Joshua, put the heavyweight title out of your picture, out of yes. your mind for the next calendar year, which doesn't mean you can't make a ton of money in the meantime. I mean, I Absolutely. always go back to the, you know, Derek Chisora had one of my favorite phrases where he said, I'm a money weight at this point. And <laughs> he's right. Like, you, you want to make as much money as possible. Now, if you're Michael Hunter, and he went on social media and talked about this, you want Dillian White because that oh, like is... That I like that fight a lot. It's a makeable fight because you used to work with Eddie Hearn and there isn't really bad blood between those two sides. We know Dillian White is going to return at some point in the next month, probably against the Jermaine Franklin, lesser type yeah. of opponent. He wants to have kind of a gimme as he, after he's had some tough fights over the last couple of years. But after that, whether you do it in the U.S. on DAZN or on Triller, which Michael Hunter says is willing to pay big for a Dillian White fight, or you go over to the U.K. as it opens up, and do that in a big venue, that's a real heavyweight fight. That's two top five, 10-ish heavyweights going at it with the winner taking a big step forward. I love that fight. I, frankly, I don't really know who wins. Like, exactly. I think White, obviously, White has a lot more power, certainly, knockout power, but Hunter, a former Olympian, good boxer, uh, he might be able to cause a lot of problems for Dillian White. So that, to me, is a no-brainer for Eddie Hearn to pursue at some point in the next six months. It makes so much sense. And I think that's the beauty of the heavyweight division at this hour, because as much as we are interested in, you know, in the Joshua Usyk fight, which is sold out Tottenham uh, Hotspur Stadium, 
And I'm sure that Wilder Fury 3 will do the same thing in T-Mobile Arena. We do have a slew of these 50-50 fights, you know, among the contenders. And there's so many great fights to be made. You know, like you said, I mean, it's up to the promoters to make it uh, happen. But this is a true uh, renaissance for the heavyweight division. And Michael Hunter is uh, one of the leading examples. Yeah, good fighter, good personality. Starting to show some aggressiveness in these fights, too. I mean, he's shown aggressiveness for a while. I mean, the Usyk fight, which was on HBO, was really good. Uh, he knocks out Martin Bacoli in the 10th round of that fight. He knocks out Alexander Ustinov. He just hasn't had the level of opponents that he needs to have. Hopefully yeah. this, this win gives it to him. Even the Pavekin fight, Chris. I mean, yeah. like, you know, you could see in there, like he was dealing with this Russian bear of a man. It's a tough yeah. task, but he definitely held his own. Pavekins can crack, as Dillian White can certainly attest after uh, his fight with him. All right, I want to ask you about a couple of outside-the-ring things that interest me. Um, Errol Spence is going to return August 21st against Manny Pacquiao. Huge fight for Errol Spence. It will be another big name that Errol Spence can attempt to put on his resume after guys like Sean Porter and Danny Garcia uh, and others. We all want to see Errol Spence fight Terrence Crawford, though I'm... Just not willing to go down that rabbit hole yet until we see more happen on that front. What would seem to be a natural next fight for Errol Spence would be Keith Thurman, who is allegedly going to have a comeback fight at some point over the next couple of months. And he has been calling out Errol Spence. I find it fascinating, Lance, that Errol Spence seems to want nothing to do with Keith Thurman. Now, Maybe it has something to do with Thurman kind of, you know, big brothering him early on in Spence's career when Spence was coming up the ranks. I do think there's a little more to it, though. There's something about Keith Thurman's personality that I think just rubs Errol Spence the wrong way. But he seems to want nothing to do with a fight against Keith Thurman. Even if Thurman, which, by the way, this is what Thurman should do. He should try to get a fight with Ugas to get that other piece of the welterweight title. Absolutely. The There's no other option. Yeah. But even if like, even if he got that, I still don't know that Errol Spence would be running towards a fight with Keith Thurman. What do you make of that dynamic? I, I think it's all hooked to exactly what you said, that when Thurman was champion, he wouldn't give Spence the opportunity. And Spence is like, okay, the tables have turned, MF. You know, like now we're, now you're going to deal with, uh, you know, the things that I felt and the, the things that I had to deal with back then. It's all about that. I mean, I think, but do you, uh, you think, know, but do you think Lance, do you think it's like, cause a lot of guys I, were kind of doing like Danny Garcia kind of did that too. Like, you know, early in, and you know, Errol, Errol Spence was calling everybody out early on as he should have. And yeah. Danny Garcia didn't show a lot of interest, but Errol was willing to fight him. Uh, maybe there's, the maybe year. there's something, I mean, let's be honest. I think Thurman sometimes tries to, you know, paint himself as the smartest guy in the room and it can rub people the wrong way, but I don't, I don't view Errol Spence jr. As a spiteful type person. I just think that it's, except on this point that, you know, look, you did this to me. Now you can sit there and wait, you can fight your way to me. And really, like you said, I mean, for Thurman fighting, just coming back to fight, um, doesn't, isn't going to get him an Errol Spence fight. He's got to get a belt. He's got to go after Ugas, uh, wholeheartedly because to me, uh, short of Al Heyman telling, telling his champion, Errol Spence, you know, you've got to fight this guy, which I don't see happening. I don't think, you know, I, I think Spence will be content to say, okay, bring me Ugas next. Give me that third belt. And then I'll, you know, if Porter and Crawford ultimately fight, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole right now. If Porter and Crawford <laughs> can fight, you know, we've got Crawford potentially coming over to PBC and then we can have a fight for all four belts. And Keith Thurman is still iced out. You know, I think that Keith Thurman was sort of a victim of, you know, the, the, the old um, thing that Marvin Hagler said is that, you know, once you start sleeping in the, in the satin sheets, mm-hmm. it gets tough, you know, and he made those uh, a lot of money um, as PBC was transitioning into those major TV deals. And then he made a lot of money fighting Manny Pacquiao. And we really haven't heard from him since, you know? So, I mean, I question the hunger and desire of Keith Thurman, not, you know, on a, in a, in a detrimental level, but on a level that compares to where he was on his way up, you know, before winning the title. And I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the same thing in Keith Thurman uh, since the Pacquiao fight. He seems sort of content to be on the sidelines. I, I don't, I think it was showing up Lance before the Pacquiao fight. Like he had that kind of close call with Josecito Lopez. Good point. Like that wasn't a dominant win. And I, I think he lost his edge after 
the two fights against Sean Porter and Danny Garcia. And some of that maybe has to do with him kind of reaching the mountaintop and achieving his goals as the number one guy at 147. He also started a family, which can you know change you as a fighter. You start thinking Absolutely. about other things uh, in your life. You're not necessarily completely locked in on boxing, so maybe that had something to do with it. I do think Keith Thurman, the days of Keith Thurman being able to sh- call shots are over. Like, he can't. He's going to have to work his way back up to get in position. Now, but fortunately, he's on a political side of the street where he can do that. Like, you can take whatever comeback fight you want in the next couple of weeks and then target Ugas for that title. If you beat him, then I I do believe that Errol Spence, because he wants that piece of the title, will uh, look to fight you. So I think Keith Thurman's got to get proactive with all this, not just say, you know, not resting. I mean, look, it's been, what, four years since the Porter fight or the Garcia fight? Like, been a long time since Keith Thurman's in relevant boxing. Yeah, that Porter fight was sensational. But, you know, look, I'm going to say this. Maybe this is a hot take for you, but I, I like Ugas in the fight, you know, honestly. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree. It's not an easy fight by any stretch. So, That's just sort of the only path for Thurman. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Keith Thurman. And I think his, uh, his, his level of desire to reconnect with the championship belt is going to be very interesting to watch because, like you said, for all those reasons that you cited that we both talked about, um, these questions hover over him for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, all right, a couple other things. You know, we're in that, we're, you're seeing sports now start to deal with vaccinated versus unvaccinated athletes. The NFL took the first step where they have effectively made unvaccinated players second-class citizens. I do believe you will see the NBA follow right behind, the NHL follow right behind. The major sports in the U.S., are going to start using something of a stick when it comes to uh, trying to push people to get vaccinated. In boxing, it's it's an even bigger issue, Lance, because in boxing, you have entire shows wiped off the map because of COVID. You've had already had Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis wiped off. Who knows if that fight is even going to get rescheduled. Fury versus Wilder wiped off the summer slate. Um, hopefully we don't have an issue with uh, Errol Spence versus Manny Pacquiao. Hopefully we don't have an issue with Canelo down the line. But I, I think boxing is going to have to come up with some kind of of strategy here. I know promoters seem reluctant to demand that fighters be vaccinated. But if I'm a promoter and I'm putting my own money on the line, I feel like I ha- you know either you insist your fighter be vaccinated or you have provisions in there where you get some money back uh if if these uh fights get scrapped because of unvaccinated boxers how how do you see over the next you know a few months six months even a year however long we're kind of in this mess how do you see boxing handling uh the issue of vaccination yeah it absolutely behooves the promoter to uh ensure that that is done and all they have to do is point to those cases that you just mentioned but it's going to be tough because I, you know, I talked to uh, Mike Mazzulli, who's in charge of the Mohegan Sun Commission. And what he told me is that, you know, look, uh, when you go state by state, you know, it's basically going to be uh, done on a commission by commission basis because, you know, yes, the, the, it can start with the promoters. Absolutely. It can start there with the promoters saying to their main event fighters and co-main, whoever get vaccinated. But if the fighter doesn't do that, the commission still has the ability to step in and say, look, you guys should all be vaccinated as we head into this, uh, head into this fight week. Um, and we need to see proof of that. But like Mazzulli told me, you know, look, it varies, you know, like my state, it, it, it's it's not just my state commission. The state commission is presided over by a governor and now politics is entering the picture, uh, picture. So is the Florida governor going to say to his state athletic commission, you know, you've got to get your guys vaccinated. No, that's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, still like kind of a state by state uh, basis, uh, unless we have the, the promoters, you know, at the signing of the contract say you must be vaccinated and you must prove uh, show that vaccination you know, uh, before we, what, sign this deal? Because if that's not done, then we're going to continue to to have these kind of things happen. And it's no good for anyone. I mean, Bob Arum said it best in a, in a May card. 
uh, when finally, you know, fans were allowed back into the arena. And what he said is that if you're not vaccinated at this point, you're on your own because you know the situation, you understand what's out there. If you're, you know, basing your, your own security on some kind of conspiracy theory, that's on you, my friend. I mean, we yeah. want you to, everyone wants you to be safe, but look, you can't, you can't um, laugh at, at science um, and the science dictates that, you know, those that are vaccinated have a better chance to avoid um, getting COVID-19 or the Delta variant. I don't even put this on the commissions, Lance, because like you get tested during fight week. Commission's not going to let you fight if you have uh, COVID-19. It's more about like w- the weeks before that. Like, right. you know, and, and that, that to me has nothing to do with the commissions. These fighters are training outside of the states that they're fighting in usually. So they're kind of on their own. To me, this is all about, this is all about promoters and putting their foot down. And I've yet to speak to a promoter who has given me any inkling that they're willing to do that. I talked to Lou DiBella about that on this show. I talked to Eddie Hearn about that on this show. Uh, you've talked to Bob Arum about it. I mean, you know, if, if I'm a promoter, especially one of these bigger fights, headlining fights, I'm not making a deal with a fighter unless they're vaccinated. I'm not because there's so much money that's on the line. And, and I, I just think they're like, we're just past the point in the world in general where a carrot works anymore. We've tried the carrot that's out there. We've tried to incentivize and educate and I mean, literally incentivize with money in some states about, right. you know, to go get vaccinated. It's time to use the stick on some of these things. And people can say it's my choice, whatever, fine. But I, I wouldn't, if I'm a promoter and I'm doing a big show, I wouldn't risk it with a guy that's unvaccinated. I really wouldn't because there's a pretty high, de- it's almost become like a probability given how these guys operate with, with these gyms and guys going in and out all the time that something's going to happen. And, and that, that could certainly cost people a lot of money. Absolutely. And I think we've learned in some cases too, that like, even when you uh, try to take the fighter's word for it, by the you way, know, networks too. Net, net, networks too. Like networks got to get involved in this as well. Like you, this is on your schedule. Like and absolutely. You know, and, and if it happens like two weeks out, you're theoretically sending production people down there, spending money on all this yeah. stuff. Like networks need to get involved in this. Well, and you can, you know, look. Unfortunately, you can lean on precedents now and look at those cases of Lopez and Fury and say, look at all this money that we're is now on hold and may never be realized because of this. Yep. So we've got to we've got to deal with it. Yeah, I agree. All right, before I let you go, uh, Olympics boxing going on as we speak. We saw, uh, as we record this, uh, Duke Reagan picked up a silver medal uh, just this uh, just Thursday. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Keyshawn Davis, but it's been a pretty good run for USA Boxing, especially compared to some of the runs we've had in yeah. years past, especially uh, on the men's side. You know, I'm always curious to see who is going to get a bounce out of these Olympics. It's not always the gold medalist. I mean, Teofimo Lopez has arguably become the biggest star from 2016. He got bounced early uh, in that term. He just had a pro style. Joshua Bawatsi, who I love, was not a gold medalist uh, either. But when you look at these Olympic boxers, uh, whether it's the U.S. guys with Duke Reagan and Keyshawn Davis and others, or others you might have watched, who do you think is going to get a big bounce out of this? Who do you think becomes a quick name in boxing uh, after these Olympics? Yeah, I mean, I think the easy one to say is Keyshawn because, look, I mean, he's already uh, fought on the zone. He's got you've seen his uh, incredible charisma and his talent. I mean, he's so he's so slick and fast in there. Um, Just, you know, how could you not be impressed by his talent? I know he's got a a tough Cuban uh, looming before him before he could win the gold medal. Uh, but he's got a big shot. And, you know, again, the, the kid from the heavyweight from uh, Central California, uh, Ricardo Torres, is uh, th- there's a lot of people who like him. There's going to be a, I think he's going to be able to get himself involved in a bidding war for his services. That's going to be quite impressive because, you know, look, he's going to have that he's going to have that draw of the Latino fan base. But I was, uh, you know, I know that top ranks Brad Goodman, who I think we both respect his opinion, the, te- uh, the matchmaker for them, he's very, very high on the middleweight, Troy Isley. So even though Troy went out pretty early in the competition, keep an eye on him because while his, uh, his style is not necessarily suited to the Olympics uh, style, um, he's definitely a guy who's after your head and he's a very entertaining fighter. So I would say he's a, he's a sleeper to watch out of this class. But like you, like you said, Chris, I mean, it's a great thing for boxing when the Americans do well in the Olympics and to have this sort of uh, revitalization this year has been very enjoyable to watch. 
Yeah, Shakur Stevenson got a nice bounce coming out of 2016 as a silver medalist. So there's there's real, there's currency in coming away with any kind of medal. And I expect, you know, guys like Duke Reagan and uh, Keyshawn Davis to get a similar bounce. I like Davis a lot. I mean, I have seen him fight as a pro. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the personality. He's got a lot going for him that I think can help make him uh, a star uh, pretty quickly. I am interested to see the the pro that DeBella's got signed. I'm, I'm going to butcher yeah. his name. J- Jalalov. Sorry. Yeah, from Uzbekistan. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, fascinating. That, I mean, <laughs> bravo Lou DeBella for getting this guy uh, yeah. under contract. I didn't, you know, you usually expect like a top rank or a matchroom or whoever to get one of these top guys. But I've watched him fight. That guy's a real deal, Lance. Like he's he could become something in the heavyweight division. Yeah, Lou is willing to gamble on these guys, and he's got you know some keen eyes out there, as we've seen with some other guys that he's picked up. So more power to him. I think he's got you know he's the gold medal favorite, and certainly Lou is a smart enough guy to be able to put this guy uh, in the right fights and kind of script his career on his way to his old title shot whenever that comes. Yeah, you can certainly see a pathway to big fights for that young guy um especially when you consider the super heavyweights that have come out in the past whether it's aj in 2012 tony yoka tony yoka didn't really pan out i don't know are we i'm not sure what i think of tony yoka at this point i mean joe joyce is the one that has had the better pro career tony yoka kind of uh i know he's had some issues uh that kept him out of the ring but um I'm still not sure what we're going to make of uh, Tony Yoka, but that's it's a great springboard to uh, something bigger uh, in boxing. Uh, Lance, always good to catch up, man. Thanks for uh, taking some time to join me here on the show. You can check out Lance's stuff over at The Athletic. Uh, he's a great read every single time he puts something out there. Lance, good to catch up, man. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, when we come back, my conversation with David Benavidez. Add a little excitement to your sports watching experience by betting on all the action on the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's a reason why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. The app is really simple to use. I use it every day. Great odds, all different betting markets, fun bet types like same game parlay. That's the best thing they have, the same game parlay. If you win, get your winning safely in as little as 24 hours. Listen, they've got a range of betting options. Player props, futures, live betting. Easy to place your bet fast during a game. Uh, Odds boosts and specials. Every day, there's some big super boost each weekend. Product features, multi-game parlay, same game parlay. Right now, FanDuel letting you place your first bet risk-free up to 1000 bucks. Place a bet, any game, FanDuel will refund you up to a grand if you don't win your first bet. Seriously, no strings attached. Just Place a bet, any bet you want. All right. The volume and FanDuel are boosting the odds on UFC 265. Derek Lewis or Cyril gone to end in a knockout or TKO. This fight will be absolute fireworks. If you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code Colin, FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code C-O-L-I-N. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, or New Jersey. Must wager in designated offer market. $10 first deposit required. 150 max bonus. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gaming problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. And 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, David Benavidez is a former super middleweight champion. He is working his way back to the top of the 168-pound division. His first step, or his next step, I should say, is August 28th. When he takes on Jose Ustakagi, that fight can be seen live on Showtime. And David joins me here on the show. So, David, you've been calling out a lot of the big names in the super middleweight division. How are you feeling about a fight like Jose Ustakagi at this point? Well, um, Ryan, I think everything happens with this time. You know, um, I've been, obviously, I've been calling out the big guys because I feel like this is what the people want. This is what my fans want. But sometimes... You know, we don't get the fights that we want. But, you know, with this fight with Jose Uskatek, it's a, it's a hard, stiff competition. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm training for him like if it was a world title fight because, you know, I don't, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of dudes out there that want it as, hard, as much as me. So I'm out here working as hard as possible because I know Jose Uskatek, he knows this is a big, big experience. Or this is a big uh, moment for him. This is a big moment for him. So, you know, I'm just I'm working hard and, you know, I'm going to go in there and have a great fight. You know, one of the things people like about you is that, you know, you know, like to get the big, big fights that you want, you've got to win significant fights. You're willing to take on tough challenges. When you were calling out the likes of Jamal Charlo and Caleb Plant, was there any part of you that believed that they would accept? Yeah, you know, because it it made sense for both parts, you know, and if they wanted a big money fight, you know, I feel like I have a big enough name for when we fight each other, it would be a good money fight. And, you know, sometimes the money is not what means everything, but what, like, what really means more than money to me is the respect. You know, if they would get a lot of respect from the fans, whoever wins that fight. And I think in the boxing world, you know, I think would get much respect. But, I mean, I can't really speak how other people think. You know, that's just how I think. I feel like it made sense for both of us, um, money-wise, you know, respect-wise, ranking-wise. And I feel like this fight for either one of us would have, would have, put us in, in position to a bigger fight. At least that's how I was thinking. But, you know, obviously a lot of people don't think like that. Um, now I'm hearing that Caleb Plant might fight Anthony Durrell. So, I mean, it, it's, just, it's crazy how things are happening. But I feel like the people, uh, these dudes, they don't want to fight with me for a reason. Now. And now it, I, that, just seeing that alone gives me a lot of confidence. But um, like I said, I'm just going to stay focused on myself, stay focused on my lane and I got a hard, I got a hard fight in front of me, Jose Uskatek. You know, he's looking to make a statement, so I'm. I know I got to be 100 percent ready for him. But you know, as if I think what's going to boost my stock up too is just you know going in there, getting these hard fights, getting ex champions, and having great performances on them. And then you know, sooner than later, these guys are going to have to see me. They're not going to be. Uh, they're not going to be able to run for me forever. I think a lot of boxing fans, David, heard you say Caleb Plant against Anthony Durrell and cringed. I know I kind of did there. Yeah, because, I mean, if they would have offered me to fight, you know, with, with Caleb Plant, obviously, you know, I already have my, you know, my fight set with uh, with Jose Uskateki. But if they told me a fight, if I win, you know, when I do win, would a fight with Caleb Plant would be guaranteed. I wouldn't mind going back into camp and fighting him in December. But... Mm. I mean, like I said, you know, Anthony Durrell is not no, he's not no, uh, he's not no dud either. You know, I feel like Anthony Durrell is a great opportunity against, you know, uh, Caleb, Caleb Plant. But why not, why get that fight? Why not just wait for me to get this fight done with and, you know, fight, fight, you know, the real fight that people have been wanting to watch. You know, I feel like Caleb has been getting a lot of weak fights lately. Since he won the fight with Jose Uskateki, you know, his competition is not really that good. And, so, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to speak on somebody else or somebody else's path and what they're doing. You know, I'm just focused on my, my path right now. You know, I got a, I got a hard fighter in front of me. Um, 
WBC title eliminator is my second one, you know, um, second t- title eliminator back to back. So, and, um, you know, I feel like I'm in a good position right now, too, because if the fight with Caleb and Canelo didn't happen. So after this fight, when I win, you know, it's going to be, you know, I have to have a shot with Canelo or if I get turned out a shot with Canelo, then I got Caleb on the other side. So I'm in a great position either way. And you know, I mean, you've been around this business a long time, David. You you know why Caleb Plant is not going to fight you because as long as that Canelo lottery ticket is still sitting out there, there's, I mean, I I don't, I'm not saying it like it's the wrong thing for him to do necessarily, but as long as that lottery ticket's out there, he's going to wait as long as possible for the opportunity to cash it, right? Yeah, but then too, like his respect goes down from all the people. That's what I'm talking about. Like everybody's going to be talking about him saying, I mean, obviously I know he doesn't care about that, but I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Like I said, I just got to keep winning the fights that they put in front of me, look impressive. And, you know, at the end of the day, I still get paid. So, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not really bothered <laughs> anyway. So whoever they put in front of me, I'll be ready to fight. You know, you, you've said you want to get your 168-pound title back. You're fighting in a title eliminator. Those belts, obviously, three are with Canelo. One is with Caleb Plant. Were you surprised that the Canelo-Plant fight fell apart? I was very surprised. Very, very surprised. Like, but, like, I still, I feel like not only me, but everybody else needs answers. I, I don't like, I, um, I want to find out exactly why that fight fell through. Um, it's just very, um, it's weird. It was a very, very, very weird, weird situation. But like I said, uh, nobody knows besides them. But I feel like the people need answers of why that fight had, didn't happen. So you're fighting now at 168. Um, you've had a couple of different, uh, or at least one weight issue in the past with making 168. How are you feeling at this weight right now? And how much longer do you think you'll be there? I feel great. You know, um, now um, that everything's a little bit more opened up and, you know, I know how things run now. And now, now that I'm not fighting in the bubble, you know, in Connecticut, um, you know, I have a lot of access to the other stuff. And, you know, but we've been taking care of the weight better, you know, as, as, as you guys seen last time I made weight, no problem. And um, I feel like, uh, like I can, I can make this weight, you know, it's not really that much of a hassle for me. I mean, it's, uh, weight cuts are always hard and you know, it's always weight cuts. But I feel like as long as, you know, I come a little bit prepared with more time and, now I see if, if, I'm, if they send me into the bubble again, I know how it works. So I know what I need to do before I get there. But um, I, feel, no, I, don't, I feel like I'm going to be here until I get all these fights happening. I feel like I can't walk away until from 168 until all these fights happen. So um, I'm going to try my best to get all these fights going. And after that, then we, then we go on to the next, so 175. How do you think you'll fare at 175? I mean, do you think that... You know, whatever it happens, think that'll be a good weight class for you. Definitely, I feel like I'll be even better at 175. Um, obviously, not cutting as much weight is better for everybody. I mean, you like you look at Badu Jack. Badu Jack, when he was at 168, he was a good fighter, but when when he went up to 75, he was even a better fighter. And I feel like we kind of have the same body type. But for me, you know, I'm uh, I feel like I'll be faster, I'll be stronger, and um, I don't know, man. I just I just gotta wait until to see. When I get there, and I feel obviously I'm getting older too. So by the time I, I get to 175, I'll probably be like uh, 26, 27. So I mean, I think all these, all these things fall into play with each other. You know, man strength, you know, experience, you know, moving up to a new weight class. You know, it all, it all be playing my favor. You know, when you are looking at this fight with Jose, uh, one thing I've heard you say is that you want to be the first to knock him out. And that I mean, that's that's a good way to look at it. I mean, how. How aggressive do you plan to be in this fight to to accomplish that? I don't really have to be as I don't have to go out my way to be even more aggressive. I just have to be who I am. I mean, I think I'm pretty aggressive already alone, you know. So uh, if you look at my fights, my past four fights, I've been I throw a whole lot of punches to start off with, and I've been landing at over, a little bit over fifty percent of power punches every fight uh, since the past four fights. So I mean, I'm I'm. I just got to do everything right. I got to be very cautious, but I got to, you know, once I, once I, I get in my rhythm, you know, pick up the pace a little bit. I think the key, the key part to this fight is going to be body shots, you know, body shots. And a lot of the people he's fought has never touched them in the body. Like how I'm going to touch them to the body. You know, I'm a, I'm a naturally, uh, I'm naturally a body puncher and I can mix it up really good. And I have a great jab. So, um, so, I mean, I think I just have to be myself, um, not get, not get too, um, uh, 
Like, not, I'm not trying to, like, change with him too much, but do everything right. Defense, I have to, you know, be on the defense, be on the offense, and then, you know, uh, just switch it up, switch it up from the body to the head. It's, I feel like this is going to be the best fight I've ever had. Yeah, as you've talked about Caleb Plant as a potential opponent, I mean, you and Charlo have gone back and forth with a lot of, of talk. Uh, you know, you watched his last fight. What did you think of it? Um, I thought, honestly, I thought Charlo was going to knock him out early in the fight. So just for seeing him making to the 12th round is very surprising. But I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be doubt if he overlooked him and he didn't train as hard. But Montiel, he's a warrior too. I think he had two losses. He had twenty was it 20, 24 fights, two losses, but his uh, his wins were all knockouts. <laughs> he was a good fight. Was was really landing on Charlo, and that's the type of stuff that I like to do. The punches that he throws were the ones I like to throw really good too. So, um, I feel like Charlo, he's not he's not as good as a fighter as he thinks he is, you know. Um, but he's still a great fighter, and it would be a great fight. But I feel like I can stop Charlo. Well, a lot of things for you to do. First up, Jose Uskakagi, uh, that fight, August 28th on Showtime. David, good to, always good to talk to you, man. Good luck on the 28th, and uh, thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. Thank you, too, brother. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your 5-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off. And everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.